Come, Holy Spirit, and root, awaken, and open us to your peace which passes all understanding. Amen. In his letter, written from a prison cell to the Philippian church, St. Paul writes, The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This past Lent, the program that I offered focused on prayer, and I made the claim that to be a Christian is to be one who prays. One modern theologian has said that the primary and most important job that clergy have today is to teach people to pray. As I've said in several sermons this year, given the changes in our society, declines in church attendance, what the future of the church looks like is uncertain. And while there is no single or simple response to this reality, the answer most certainly begins and ends in prayer. Given St. Paul's admonition that in everything we should pray, this sermon will focus on the power of prayer. Now, one way of viewing power is that power is having the ability to do something. Power is being able to act. And there are three broad categories of what prayer makes able. Prayer roots us in God. Prayer awakens us to the activity of God. Prayer opens us to new possibilities in God. First, prayer roots us in divine presence. Just as a root gives a tree stability and nourishment, so too does prayer root us and give us strength to sustain us. This need to be rooted is something that all people have. It's why people, even those who have no interest in religion, still do things like yoga and meditation or mindfulness practices. We all need to rest and reflect. And prayer is something that the Christian does to be grounded in a love that defies explanation and a peace that passes all understanding. And really, at its heart, this is what prayer means. Prayer is not a set of words that we say. Prayer is not about following a particular pattern or a formula. It's best to think of prayer not as something that we do, rather something we give ourselves over to. We might say that prayer is a better adverb than it is a noun. Prayer is not our goal as, the, as people of faith, but rather prayerfulness is. Prayer is an attitude a disposition, an orientation. When we are living prayerfully, we come to realize that in God we live and move and have our being. The things that we call prayers, those are just the tools intended to take us to that place of rootedness. Another way of thinking of prayer comes from St. Paul's writing to the Romans. He says it's not so much that prayer is something that we do, Rather, prayer is something that happens in us. He says that the Holy Spirit is the divine spark that gives us all life. The Spirit is what makes us alive. 
It's what animates us. And because the Holy Spirit is a part of the Holy Trinity, the Spirit is always communicating with God the Father and God the Son. And so the Holy Spirit that lives in each of us, it means that, that our hearts and our minds become something like a temple, a place of prayer, a place where God is happening. Prayerfulness is about being rooted, strengthened and fed by this prayer of the Holy Spirit that happens inside of us. So when we pray, we can say that we're just paying attention to the Spirit who is alive in us. Now I realize that sounds a little bit esoteric, very theoretical, but it's something that I think we've all experienced before. Those moments when you gained a voice that you did not know that you had, when you summoned up newfound courage, when you had hope in a hopeless situation, when you were surprised that the words that came out of your mouth were forgiveness, instead of vengeance. Well, those are moments when the Spirit was acting and speaking through you, when your life had become an enacted prayer. Every moment intersects with eternity, with the harmony and beauty of God. And time that we spend in prayer, in meditation, in quietness, is about rooting ourselves in this peace of God that passes all understanding. Being rooted in prayer, we can then be in this world differently. This grounding in God's grace and love awakens us to what God is up to. The former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, compared prayer to bird watching. Both endeavors, he says, take endless patience and stillness in pursuit of an often elusive goal. As Jesus tells us, the spirit is something like the wind. It blows where it will and is unpredictable. And so prayer is the means by which we are awakened to these fleeting glimpses of God at work in the midst of our busy and distracting lives. Just as the birder learns Prayer requires us to be in this world more attentively and deliberately. We have to stop fidgeting so much and fussing, making noise. And we just have to sit and focus. In bird watching, maybe you pick a specific rock or a branch and you just focus on that to see what comes into your range of vision. In prayer, we do the same thing, but maybe with a verse of scripture or an icon. And then slowly, something will flash in front of our sight and we will be ready to notice it. God did not stop the work of creation at the end of the first chapter in Genesis. Creation is continuing to unfold because the love of God continues to pour forth from God's infinite and abundant grace. In C.S. Lewis' Narnia books, when it seems as if the situation is dire and the people are not sure where their hope will come from, someone will notice a rustling noise off in the forest or they'll hear a distant growl. Their skin will start to tingle with expectation and invariably one of the characters will say of the lion, who is the Christ figure in these novels, that Aslan is on the move. 
Sherlock Holmes would say the same thing, but differently. He would say, the game is afoot. However we want to talk about it, prayer awakens us to the fact that God is up to something. And this awareness is at the heart of prayer. It's why I think teaching and demonstrating prayerfulness is the most important thing that I do as a priest. Because if we are a prayerful people, a people who are actively looking for God and catching glimpses of the Spirit working in the world, then everything else just takes care of itself. We wouldn't have to worry about fundraising if people trusted that something holy is happening here. We wouldn't need to cajole people to come to worship if they expected to meet Jesus in song, scripture, and sacrament. We wouldn't need to beg people to volunteer when they are presented with an opportunity to serve if they approached service in the same way that a birder anticipates migration season. The problem, as I've mentioned in previous sermons, is that we live in a disenchanted world. Our minds have been taken over by scientism, which is not the same as science. Science is great. Scientism is stifling because it reduces everything to cause and effect. Everything is reduced down to what is observable, repeatable, and measurable. Our world and our logic are dominated by imaginations that have been closed, restricted, and impoverished. But prayer is a means by which we are awakened to wonders and possibilities in God that transcend our ability to make any sense out of them. One theologian has said that prayer matures into the practice of memory. In a commentary on the Psalms, which are a collection of Jewish prayers, this theologian writes, it becomes evident as we do this, pray, that memory is not nostalgia. Memory is not an orientation to the past. It is vigorously present tense, selecting out of the storehouse of the past, retrieving and arranging images and insights, then hammering them together for use in our present moment. As we pray, we remember truths that we have forgotten and we are shaped to live in a world that remains enchanted with beauty and wonder beyond our understanding. And once we have become awakened to this reality, once we've seen the brightness of a cardinal, we are changed. Prayer transforms us into people who expect the holy to always be just around the corner. And with this expectation, we then become a people who are open to what God is doing. The world can be a difficult place. And so out of self-preservation, we are taught and we learn to be closed and guarded. St. Paul, though, writes that prayer will fill us with the peace of God which passes all understanding and that it will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Our problem is that so often we try to guard our own hearts and minds, turning ourselves into fortresses of solitude, into people who are closed off from one another. To avoid being disappointed, we set our sights too low. To avoid betrayal, 
we are stingy with our dreams. To avoid getting hurt, we are reserved with our love. To avoid running out, we live in a world of scarcity instead of embracing God's abundance. But Jesus guards our hearts and minds. And if Jesus is the one who keeps us safe, that means we can be lavish in love, prodigal with our resources, audacious in our hopes. Just imagine what might be possible in your life, in our community, in our parish, if we weren't always worried about the worst thing that might happen. If we could really and truly trust that all shall be well, what risks might we be willing to take? What resources might we be willing to spend? What new ideas might we try? What attempts at reconciliation might we make if we knew that Jesus was going to guard our hearts and minds? that he will always be with us to pick us up when we fall, to forgive us of our sins, to bring resurrection to all of our deaths. Well, in short, we would have more glimpses of the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. Instead of being closed and protected, prayer allows us to be open to the amazing and wonderful things the Spirit is doing. And so I've laid out a case for how prayer roots us in God, awakens us to what God is up to, and opens new possibilities. But you might rightfully ask, but how do I pray? I'll leave you with a couple of thoughts and then some examples. For one, prayer works best when we don't have any expectations and when we don't compare ourselves to others. Because if we expect prayer to look like this, or to feel like that, likely we will be disappointed with prayer. If we say, I'm gonna spend 15 minutes in prayer so that I will get an answer about what to do with this thing at work, likely we will be disappointed when we don't get any clarity. Instead, we might say, God, I've got 15 minutes. Do with it as you will. And maybe God will give you some clarity Maybe God will give you something better to worry about. But prayer is not something that we do with a goal. It's not something to put on our agenda. Rather, prayer is about remembering that we are always on God's agenda of grace and love. And prayer is never competitive. Don't compare yourselves to others. You know, some people talk about the amazing experiences they have when they pray, the clarity that they get, but that is a rare thing. It's sort of like those images of models that we see in the media. For every photo that we see of someone looking amazing, there are hundreds of photos that they took that didn't make the cut. There's no right, and no wrong when it comes to prayer. So don't worry about what prayer is like for other people, because chances are if you do, you will miss out on how God is uniquely speaking to you. Now, that being said, there are some tried and true ways to pray. There is the daily office, the tradition of the church around praying with psalms, scripture, and written prayers. Morning and evening prayer are helpful because we do it in community, even if we're not in the same place when we do it. And we don't have to find the words. We don't have to make it up. 
The prayer book also has a short version of these prayers that you can use as a daily devotion. There's one for the morning, noon, evening, and bedtime. They're found on pages 137 through 140 of the prayer book. There's also a great app that you can download called Venite, V-E-N-I-T-E. It helps you to pray morning prayer. It does all of the page turning and formatting for you. You just click the button that says pray, and there you go. Or you might use the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And you just repeat that with every breath for some amount of time as a way of remembering that you are in God's presence. You could say the Lord's prayer slowly and meditatively. You might make use of a labyrinth As the weather is turning lovely, we have an outdoor labyrinth at the corner of Council and Jackson Streets. You can use that anytime. You might purchase an Anglican rosary and use it as a way to guide your prayers. Before you go to bed each night, you might try a practice known as the examine, where you review the day that is past and look forward to the next. It would be my duty and my delight to meet with you to talk about these or any ways of praying. So let me know how I can help. We pray because it roots us in the love and peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Because prayer awakens us to the spirit who is on the move. And prayer opens us to the difference that Christ is making in our lives and in our world. Come Holy Spirit and fill your people with prayerful hearts and minds that we might become the people you are shaping us to be. Amen.